Everybody is super chatty this morning, which is really nice. I hope that you all got to enjoy some of the gorgeous weather yesterday. Um, we got to spend some time out at the park with the girls, and it was, it was just so beautiful, and I'm loving it. Jeff, of course, is praying that snow still comes. I think he's lost his mind, personally. I love it. Um, so I basically, I, before we get into like the very serious things that we're going to talk about this morning, I want to tell you something that's not serious at all, okay? So just preface that. So I basically, the equivalent of like being a mom who has her lunch already in the crock pot to be eaten when we come home from church, I feel like basically I just scored the winning touchdown of the Super Bowl. Like, I am so proud of myself. I will not be overcome by, like, the, the fries and chicken nuggets that my kids want to eat, but I have, like, it's, like, in the crock pot. It's simmering as we speak. Like, it's so good. And Jeff hates curry, and he's gone, so I made curry. <laughs> Thank you. So I feel like I just won, like, the Super Bowl of Mom's the lunch is in the crock pot. It's the same difference. It's the same thing. Um, all right. Well, we are uh, this. So that was not serious, but now we're going to talk about some serious stuff because I have a lot to talk to you guys about today. Um, we're going to be continuing on with our series. And if you haven't had the chance to purchase the book, we have been selling out of these books every week. It's called We Make the Road by Walking. We are walking through, it is a, a whole year um, journey that we're going through together. So we're picking up, it, the weeks correspond with the calendar, so we are following along. This week we're in chapter 31, um, and it's called The Choice is Yours. So we're going to be referring to that a lot today. Um, you'll, you'll see some different things up on the screen. If you are still interested in getting a copy of the book, let us know because we can get some more on hand. It, that would not be hard for us to do. I believe there are $11. Who's bought one? $11? $11. So not much. Um, I think that it's also on Audible if you are audiobook listeners. Um, I encourage you to have it because then you'll, you'll know what in the world we're talking about and it follows along each week. So this week, um, we're in chapter 31. It's called we make the road by walking, and it's a year-long quest of spiritual formation, reorientation, and activation. So this week I was reading and, and a different book, and I came across this quote, and I thought it was really appropriate to share with you today. This quote is from the Spanish poet Antonio Machado, and I felt like it was a perfect fit for the series that we were in. And he writes, Traveler, there is no path. The path must be forged as you walk. So essentially, it's the same difference in what our title is. You make the road as you begin to walk. So initially, I don't know about you guys, but when I began my faith journey, when I was young, I grew up in church. I have been in and out of church my, my whole life, mostly in and short period of out. And, um, but, you know, we were in church every single second. The, the, the church was open. Our family was there. And I, like on Sundays, you know, when you had to turn around, and like go back for like a meeting and then the Sunday night service. I, I don't even ever feel like I left church on Sundays. Like I just lived there. So when I began this faith journey, I, I had this impression that I was joining like this well-traveled path. And that it was going to be neat and tidy and very easy. And that I, along this path that I was traveling, I would encounter neat and tidy people who knew everything about God and everything about faith. And it was just going to be great. And all the answers would just be like lined up along the path for me. Right. So as a child, maybe that was primarily accurate because I was really handed, the faith that was handed to me was the faith that my parents handed to me. 
And so the answers were kind of there. This is what we believe in why. This is, our family stands for this. A lot of those types of, like, this is it and this is why. You kind of don't question, you don't doubt or wonder because this is what we've always believed and therefore we always will believe this is true. But as I've gotten older, and maybe you can relate to this, the more life that I've experienced, the more that I have realized that this path is not so neat and tidy. (laughs) In fact, it's kind of messy and really uncomfortable, and it's rocky and it's hard, and sometimes it's even difficult to see what the very next step is that we need to take. And I think what really got confusing, too, is that as my faith got older and more seasoned, I began to meet other travelers along this path who didn't look like me or think like me or believe like me. And I thought, that's not, like, that's not what I imagined this would be. But they believe in faith too, and they believe in God too, but we're different. And I think that then as life experiences have, you know, kind of developed all the more, getting married, having children, being busy, having responsibility, paying bills, um, and then there's things that happen that are not, not e- easy to explain. The hurtful and the hard and the very painful moments that we encounter along this path that, that are hard to explain. And, you know, and then we just, um, I, we just got back from Guatemala, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that at the end of the service. But, you know, we had this experience where, and this is my third trip, and, you know, you think that after I've been a few times that it would not affect me as deeply as it does. But every single time I go, it is hard for me to imagine when we're on top of a mountain with no water, no electricity, no bathroom, you know, sleeping on concrete next to people that we've either just met or kind of only know for, you know, maybe we've known for a little while. I often wonder, do the people there see their faith journey the same that we see ours? Because sometimes I think we overcomplicate and we imagine and we have um, expectations that aren't quite possible. And yet you look into the eyes of these people, this Mayan group of people, and you wonder, did they imagine having a faith journey with God looks like we imagine having a faith journey with God? You know, I think that sometimes the idea of having all the answers like neatly neatly lined up along the journey, um, maybe that seemed ideal when we first were starting out. But the further you get into faith and the more you experience life, you bring those things together and you recognize it's not as easy and it's not as perfect or as neat as we might have wanted it to be. But what I know to be true and what I believe that Jesus is modeling to us on this journey, and I believe that this applies to us here and to those beautiful people in Guatemala, is that the journey that we're on, as unpredictable and as messy as it might, as it might be, it still requires us to show up. And it still requires us to have growth and action and to be willing to put our one foot in front of the other to take steps towards becoming who God has imagined us to be with him. In fact, it's essential in following him that that personal action, personal responsibility, we've talked about that here before, that that is a requirement, you know? Our faith journey, the path that I'm traveling on, the path that you're traveling on, it's going to look different because my life circumstances are different than yours. And all of our life circumstances are much different than these, these people that, you know, are, are all the way on top of these mountains of Guatemala. It looks different. But our paths 
if they're not in action, if they're not in growth, if they're not pursuing loving each other well and learning how to do that time and time again and again, if we're not doing those things, refilling our souls daily, our sen- essentially our faith becomes somewhat of like an autopilot faith where you just imagine that it's just the same old, same old, and you just do it again and again and again. I think we would all agree, though, that an autopilot faith is really not sustainable. It's not sustainable in relationship with one another. It's not sustainable in following God and being close to his heart. It's not sustainable for the long haul because it won't produce fruit and and it won't reflect the qualities of Christ that are fresh and alive and visible. The way that we interact with one another should be communicating who Christ is all the time. But sometimes when we get into that path and we begin taking those steps and we think it should be neat and orderly and it should make sense and we should be able to explain it, we're missing the opportunities to see the people, the travelers that are along the way, that perhaps God is asking us to see and to love and to know, to encounter. Doing faith on autopilot essentially ceases all forms of growth. So if you are just kind of cyclical and just kind of replaying the same thing, trying the same thing again and again, you will notice that you personally will stop growing in who God has asked you to be. And collectively, as a community, as a church, that affects all of us. Because if we're traveling and we're not growing as a community and we're not producing fruit, what, what are we really gathering together here for? You know, you think about relationships you have with you with your spouse or with your children or your family or close friends when you when you think about those relationships when you kind of get to that place and i'm sure that you know if you've been married for a while and um, i've been married for almost 18 years like you know you get to those seasons where there's times where you're just kind of going through the motions and you're just kind of doing things that you've always done and if you neglect to understand that the relationship takes time and energy and investment you'll cease to see it growing, right? Like if it's on autopilot. The same goes for our faith. You know, staying alive, staying active, staying awake as we travel along this journey keeps our faith right in front of us. It keeps it at our fingertips. It makes it something that we're actively trying to grow and to develop and to be, um, you know, ever-changing and ever-growing with him. I want to read you guys, um, just to start off as we move to this book, This is chapter 31, and this chapter is called The Choice is Yours. And I want to read you guys the opening paragraph. Imagine that hillside in Galilee. Jesus is seated, surrounded by his disciples. A huge crowd circled around them. Perhaps it's the rhythm and the tone of his voice. Maybe it's the pace of his words. Somehow they know he is building towards a climax, a moment of decision. And he presents to them a series of vivid images, all in pairs. So he sits down and he begins teaching on this hillside and he begins to give them these pairs of images and teaching them how this journey will stay alive. This is Matthew chapter 7. And I'm going to be reading from the voice starting in verse 13. And you can follow along with us on the screen here. So there are two paths before you. You may take only one path. One doorway is narrow and one door is wide. Go through the narrow door, for the wide path leads, the, for the wide door leads to a wide path, and the wide path is broad. The wide, broad path is easy. 
The wide, broad path, easy path has many, many people on it, but the wide, broad, easy path, crowded, crowded path leads to death. Now the narrow door leads to a narrow road, and that turns to life. It is hard to find that road. Not many people manage it. So this is the first set of images in this series that Jesus lays out. He says this is the first set of pairs for us to, to imagine, to see. Two different paths, two different choices. You know, the wide or the narrow. And then he goes into a second set of images. Along the way, watch out for false prophets. They will come to you in sheep's clothing, but underneath that quaint and innocent wool, they are hungry wolves. But you will recognize them by their fruits. You don't find sweet, delicious grapes growing on thorny bushes, do you? You don't find delectable figs growing in the midst of prickly thistles. People in their lives are like trees. Good trees bear beautiful, tasty fruit. Bad trees bear ugly and bitter fruit. A good tree cannot bear ugly, bitter fruit, nor can a bad tree bear fruit that is beautiful and tasty. And what happens to the rotten trees? They are cut down. They are used for firewood. And when a prophet comes to you and preaches this or that for his fruits, sweet or sour, rotten or ripe. So this is the second set of images that Jesus lays out here. Two different types of trees producing two different types of fruit. And then we have a third set here. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Simply calling me Lord will not be enough. Only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven will join me in heaven. At the end of time, on that day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons, the possessed in your name? Did we not perform miracles in your name? But I will say to them, I never knew you. And now you must get away from me, you evildoers. So this is the second set of images. We have these two paths, these two roads that you can choose. There's two types of trees with two types of fruit producing. And here there are two types of people that Jesus is saying, there are, you know, there's essentially the ones who know me, who do my will, who live for me. And there are those who claim my name, but don't do my will. And they don't live for me. And I don't know them. And this is the final set of images that Jesus is teaching. Those people who are listening to me, those people who hear what I say and live according to my teachings, you are like a wise man who built his house on a rock, a firm foundation. When storms hit, rain pounded down and waters rose, levees broke and winds beat all the walls of that house. But the house did not fall because it was built upon rock. Those of you who, who are listening and do not hear, you are like a fool who builds your house on the sand. When the storm comes to this house, what will happen? The rain will fall, the waters will rise, the wind will blow, and his house will collapse and crash. So this is the last set here of these images Jesus is presenting. There's two different types of builders, a wise and a foolish builder. Two different types of foundations, the rock, building the house on the rock, or building it on the sand. With that, Jesus finished his teaching, and the crowds were amazed by all that he said, but Jesus taught in his own name, on his own authority, not like the scribes. So Jesus is giving us these four images, challenging us to move beyond, talking about our faith, to putting it into action. There's two paths. There's these two trees producing two types of fruit. There's two different groups of people, those who know me and follow me and do my will, and those who claim my name and don't follow me. 
two different types of builders, building two different types of houses. Jesus was intentionally giving us these images to help us remember that our journeys require our full hearts to be alive in him and that our actions would be centered on living our lives for him. And these images of faith, they're not to be placed on autopilot, right? Because they're ever-changing, they're ever-growing. They're surrendering and discovering who Jesus is and what it is to follow him all the time. So, authentic spirituality. I mean, as a child, I grew up reciting the Lord's Prayer. Anyone grow up reciting the Lord's Prayer at church? So, some of those words, you know, you, you recite them, you've said them so often as a child that I, I don't know that they ever really sunk in. It was just kind of like autopilot. You just say it because everybody else is, is saying it together. But as I have gotten older and I've kind of broken those lines apart and really looked at what in the world is this prayer saying? You know, authentic spirituality is always seeking daily bread, right? Because there's something in our souls that is hungry, that is desperate, that is empty, that needs to be filled and refilled every day by the Father. Authentic spirituality is seeking daily bread, always. It's always seeking fresh and living water because there's a part of us that needs to be refreshed and refilled all the time. So if you think of what kind of happens internally and what's kind of the makeup of who we are, we all have what I would describe as this internal reservoir that we bring to faith. And and an internal reservoir are, are all the experiences that have gotten you thus far today. So it's your history, your stories, your memories. It's the beliefs that you've held dear since you were this big. It's the, ex- the expectations and assumptions and all of these things that kind of bring, you bring to the table that make you you. And then we try to add faith to that equation. So we have this like internal reservoir of, of us. And then we try to partner it with faith. And what happens is, is if we have a lack of awareness of what is in this part, and we try to bring God into the picture, it is really difficult to put those things together. Jesus is wanting us to come to him with whatever it is that brings us to the table, that brings us here to this time today. Richard War he writes about this internal reservoir in his new book, and it's called Just This. It's this tiny little cute book. It is such a good book. I know I'm like always telling you to read books, but this book is a good book. Um, And all those other books I told you, read those too. (laughs) Um, But it's a small, like a a small read, and it's about contemplation. And he's talking about how if we do not have an awareness of all the stuff internally that we bring to faith, that we will not ever really be able to see what God is doing around us and in front of us at all times. So it's these moments of awe and wonder and surrender that we are experiencing all the time, countless times a day. But our stories and our history, our upbringing, etc., everything that kind of brings this peace to God, if we don't see it, we won't really see what God has before us. In Roar, in his book, he writes, if we do not see what is in our reservoir, so all that stuff we were just talking about, We will understand all new things in the same old pattern way. And nothing new will ever happen. A new idea held by an old self will never really, is never really a new idea. Whereas 
Even an old idea held by a new self will soon become fresh and refreshing. If we do not know what is in our reservoir, we will not understand all the new things that are before us. We will see them in the same way, the same patterns, the same history that we always have. If the parts of us inside go dark or go hidden or stay dark, we will cease to see things as they are, but rather we will see things as we are. Our darkness becomes our filter. There's a significant difference then between how we see and what we see because we are, we're, when we don't tap in or recognize or deal with or pay attention to what is actually happening on the inside of us, that translates into everything that we do, everything that we encounter. Do you guys ever wonder um, when the story of Moses, if you think of, of this story and um, of his journey, he was at this moment where he was on the run, he was a, a murderer, he was running, um, and he, he's fleeing from the scene, basically trying to get away from what he ha- the decision that he had just made. And I think it's just such a fascinating story because it's, it's in this running portion of his story that he encounters what? What does he encounter? The burning bush. And somehow, when he encounters the burning bush, he is able to see it. He sees that it's not consumed by the flames. He recognizes that in this moment, there's something so grand and so much bigger than himself that he takes off his shoes. And what does he say? He says, I'm standing on holy ground. So he's in this really hard place in his journey. He's just killed a man and he's on the run. And yet he has this encounter that completely flips the switch for him. And he is able to see in a way that he has never seen before. How often are we too running from whatever it is that we've encountered or whatever hardship or pain or loss or tragedy that we've faced? How often are we fleeing the scene and kind of getting on to the next thing, maybe trying to get ourselves far away from it so that we can forget or not imagine or, or not even think about what that part of our life was? How often are we there Do we have these moments where there are burning bushes in front of us that we cannot see, that we cannot recognize? There's this awe and this wonder of who God is. It's the ability to see the truth and the beauty of the moment that is beyond ourselves. And we encounter those moments all the time. What we see and how we see it, it connects to what is fresh and alive and moving and growing inside of us. So Jesus, he gathers this crowd and he masterfully displays these images before them. And he is trying to emphasize to them, you will always be faced with these two different things. You will always be encountering these two different ways. There are these two paths before you. One is really wide, it's broad, it's easy. Perhaps on the onset, it looks very neat. And it looks like the answers are just laid out for you. And then there's this other path that it's really hard to find. And there's not many travelers. And on that path, it's hard and rocky and twisted and turning. And and there are going to be moments that you want to give up. And what does Jesus teach in that moment? That, That the wide path leads to death. And that this hard path produces life. 
And he goes on, and he's talking about this fruit and how we have this opportunity to exist as, he says, humans, humanity is like, we are like trees. That we are, our, our lives are just as a mirror like that. That we are producing some type of fruit all the time. And there are people that are, we are surrounded by who encounter us, and they know your fruit. They know. They know the things that you're producing. They see that inside you. Choosing the path, choosing to pursue the, the fruit that, of growth so that other people can be blessed with that. Knowing who Jesus is and, and learning to build your life on his foundation. Putting your beliefs and your trust and your hope in him. When we walk this journey and we choose this path with Christ, we will begin to see those moments or we won't. We will begin to understand that the moments of awe and wonder and surrender are literally in our paths at all times. Captured by the goodness and truth and beauty of something that is beyond ourselves. And when we resist seeing this or choosing this or opening our eyes to it, we consequently resist surrendering to it. And when we cease to be in awe of all that God's hands have done, we will cease to be in surrender to him. And I don't know about you guys, but I have seen kind of the outcome of both. When I choose to not surrender, I choose to stay kind of hard-headed and like determined to, you know, maybe it's pride, maybe it's resentment or anger, whatever it might be. It never goes well, right? But there are these times in my life where I can, without a doubt, look back and say, when I was in full surrender to God, he was helping me and walking with me, and he was in control of all the things that I was facing. He was there. The choice is yours, and that's the appropriate title of our chapter today. So a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of loading up on a chicken bus, which is what they call in Guatemala. I'm not really sure why it got that label. But at the Guatemala airport, and I loaded up on this bus with 24 very unlikely friends, um, some of whom I've known for years, uh, and some of whom I had met for the very first time. A group of people of all different ages and all different stages of life coming together for this awestruck adventure and life-changing experience. Our work was to go and to build 15 homes for the widows of the village of Tucanal and to distribute shoes, thank you Cameron, and solar-powered light bulbs, thank you Michelle, to a well-deserving community in need. And I promise I will try not to cry. <laughs> that's, a, that's a small promise. Um, after 10 hours and two days of travel, very rough travel, we arrived at our destination and we pr were prepared to get to work. And the prayers of our loved ones back home and the Grove community were felt with us constantly, as I said last week. And no matter how much we prepared to be prepared <laughs> for what we would experience, and what we would see, not one of us could prepare our hearts for the moments of awe and the moments of surrender. When you're removed from all things comfortable and familiar, I was overcome with pride watching every one of my teammates love wholeheartedly and give with abundance. This sounds so much better if I'm not crying, so I'm really going to try. Um... Serving both one another and serving our beautiful brothers and sisters of Guatemala is, is something that's indescribable. Watching the first-time travelers that came with us soak in every ounce of this experience was not only moving, but so emotional. 
I could not help but see the image of God surrounding us everywhere. And despite the fact that we would describe their living conditions and their lives as unlivable, God was present and he was there. The first night we were in the village, um, which was appropriately also known as the Village of the Clouds, because <laughs> we were at 9,000 feet elevation, a group of us were standing outside and we were brushing our teeth. Um, we didn't have running water, so we were just dumping you know, water bottles on our toothbrushes. And someone in, the, in our group said, look up. And what was on display was perhaps the brightest and most vivid sky of stars that I had ever seen. And another teammate chimed in to say, I think God was showing off for us now. And I couldn't help but stand there and see the awe and the wonder of this moment. And the days that followed, the work was very hard, and it was very emotional, and it was very full of surrender. Who knew that I could cry more in Guatemala than I do even in Bryson City? <laughs> um, after, con- after completing our first build, I, um, and this year I worked on the build team like I've done in the years past, or the cut team, and then after we finished cutting all uh, we went, we moved and started building, and we finished our first build, and I was making conversation with Andres, and Andres is the beautiful man in the um, photo in the, in the coffee bar. If you exit on the way, it's hanging up on the wall above the coffee mugs. Um, he basically is like as close to God as anyone I could ever meet. He is a human saint. He is th- it's the most beautiful human you would ever know, and his whole life is committed to helping these widows. And uh, when we finished this build, there were um, some people around, and usually all the houses that we build on, the widows kind of hang out with us because they want to help. They want to be there when their house is finished. And so um, we were uh, finishing up, and uh, I was talking to Andreas and trying to make conversation. And upon hearing that this 12 by 12 house that we just completed was going to house not one widow, but five people, then they would be sleeping on blankets on the ground because they had no money for beds. I couldn't, like, I just lost it, like I am right now. Um, Yet, this woman embraced me tightly, and she thanked me over and over again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was a moment of awe and wonder and surrender, and I needed to allow myself to see it and to feel and not ignore the weight and the gravity of what that was. God was meeting her needs because some of people here prayed and showed up, and some people that were not with us still prayed, all of us to get there, financially supporting us and carrying us along the way. He was watching over us on our journey, and with his heart and care, he extends that to all of humanity. And so for my new brothers and sisters, Maria and Juana and Dominga and Andres and Shiv and Mott and Enrique and Aurelio, and on and on and on and on. God shows up. And he, sh- he showed up for them. And some of the women had said to us that they had been waiting for over 30 years to have their own home. And yet, we find it hard to um, gather together, you know, on Sunday mornings because it's too hard. I don't know. It, it just seems there's so many things that we place value on here that are insignificant after you see something like that. Um, I'm going to ask the the band to come on up here and join me. Sorry, everybody. Um, But without a doubt, what I would be able to say to you is that in our highest highs, in our lowest lows, 
God shows up and cares for us and he meets our needs. And on our journeys that are with him, they are enriched and seasoned when we choose to start walking. When we know that that path is going to be extremely hard. But when we choose to start saying yes and living with awe and wonder and asking him to show up that we can see when he's right in front of us, yielding and surrendering even when we're broken and even when we're in pain. Because God is always bigger and mightier. And sometimes you might be waiting for 30 years for him to to be what you asked for. These two paths, two types of fruit, two types of people, two types of builders building two types of houses. You know, Jesus gives us this opportunity to see his presence, whether we're in the mountaintops of Guatemala or we're right here in Bryson City. And we have to show up because he's counting on us to do that. There's great work to be done here. There's great work to be done all over the globe. And it just takes your willingness to say, yes, I will start walking. And it's going to be hard. And it's going to be unfair and unpredictable and really messy. And I'm going to blow it and I'm going to fall off the path. But you can always get back on. And you can always keep following him. So, um... The band is going to sing a song, and uh, I just would love to invite you to respond how you feel, whether you want to stay seated or stand and sing or listen to the words and make them a prayer for you, for your heart today. Um, But would you listen to the words as they sing and uh, make this a prayer in this moment? It's great to be back. Uh, Jeff asked me to do the giving moment this week. Um... But yeah, coming in, you know, it was, it was gone this week, and I feel like between being in the back and, and being here, uh, just walking in the door this morning, kind of unexpectedly being uh, refreshed by just here, here in the band and seeing familiar faces, and uh, you know, it's always such a such an awesome thing. Um, yeah, a couple different things. I feel like I'm going to win the Super Bowl of Bachelorhood tonight. My wife's away, and I got po- hot pockets planned. I hope I wait long enough not to scald my mouth. <laughs> um, also has some quotes to think about. I love this book. Just the idea uh, of walking is something that, that I love to do. It's, I've basically made a career out of it. Um, and being on trails and, and knowing what it means to walk. And climbing up to the top of the mountain and sometimes feeling like you're indestructible. And other times climbing at the top of the mountain and feeling so insignificant and small and and humble, but both sides of it. Robert Frost talks about, or Bobby Frost, if you're more familiar with him, talks about two roads diverged in the woods and taking a path less traveled. My personal favorite is Yogi Berra. He said, if you come to a fork in the road, take it. But to me, walking means you're slowing down. I listened to, to Jeff's uh, sermon last week and, and talking about anxiety and slowing down. You know, being places where you don't have the constant bombardment, the anxiety, the, the over full schedules, the responsibilities, the, the chaos of running here and there, the, the worries that, that hit us all uh, seemingly on a daily basis, the highs and lows, all that, that plays into that. But actually, like, walking and going 
And people ask, well, hey, does it feel weird? Some of us don't know what it's like to be disconnected. And I think when you go out and you have that quiet, that's, that's, that's where the true connection can happen. You can feel the wind. You can feel uh, the breeze. You can be alone with yourself and your thoughts. And with that, I think, comes a, a certain authenticity. And I was looking back on a journal from 2003. I was looking for something else, but then I found a Thomas Merton quote. I think it applies really well here. He says, To allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concern, to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, and to want to help everyone and everything is to succumb to violence. More than that is cooperation. More than that, it is cooperation in violence. It destroys his own inner capacity for peace. It destroys the fruitfulness. We talked a lot about bearing fruit today. It destroys the fruitfulness of his own work because it kills the root of inner wisdom, which makes the work fruitful. One of the things we hit at work is, is one, safety, of course. It's the thing we should be hitting in our own lives, our communities, our families. But then, two, the thing we really stress is quality and slowing it up and being intentional. Because when we slow it up, it's not, it's not busy, but we're doing the, the things that matter. And we're connecting on the level where it matters. Uh, I'm going to let the band sing. And then uh, we'll, we'll come up and I'll finish off with prayer. We'll go from there. Yeah, if the, the basket passers I talked to earlier can come up. Um, yeah, what's this have to do with giving? Hopefully it's pretty self-explanatory in that when we break things down to the level that it really matters when, we're, when we simplify things, when we connect to God, and then connect to ourselves, the giving should be a piece and a part of that. It shows our hearts. It's, it's that practice. It's not doing things out of, out of obligation, but doing things because we know that's what we're called to do, uh, doing things with the right heart. Heavenly Father, thank you for this place, for this morning, uh, for coming together where we can worship you, God. God, bless our giving. Bless the people as, as we go out into our families, into our communities, into our jobs. God, let us be that light. Let us do things for the right reasons. God, connect with us. Let our heart be yours. In your name, amen. So as the baskets are passing, um, there's one thing I want to do with us today before we go. One more thing. But first, while the baskets are passing, I would like to, to point out, like, you see all these ladies right here? And I mean, I love Michael and AJ. Don't get me wrong, because I love those guys too much. But I was just, it kind of just worked out that I was speaking. We've got a front line of these powerful women. Tammy, no doubt, just jumped on the piano and then jumped over on the guitar. So I, I just am honored to, um, to be a part of a church with so many different people serving. And you guys just, um, I'm always blown away by the spirit that you bring to this place when you sing. And you kind of 
pull your hearts out, and it just means a lot to me. Um, I think you guys are incredible, incredible people, all of you, men included, like you. <laughs> um, but what I want us to do today as we close, so we're, I'm going to have you guys stand and so stand up. That's the first step of walking, y'all. You got to stand up first. <laughs> so we're going to be walking this week, okay? And we're going to see opportunities to take different paths. But we're going to ask God to show us where he wants us to be, to lead us in the places that are uncomfortable and hard, to have conversations that are uncomfortable and hard, but to be committed to taking that step so that we can be producing the fruit that he's called us to produce, that we can be knowing him and serving him and really building our lives on a foundation with him. I'm going to read you guys as just our benediction today um, a few reflections from the, the passages that we've been through in the last couple of weeks, and this will be the way we close. Be among the lowly in spirit. Remain sensitive to pain and to loss. Live in the power of gentleness, hunger, and thirst for true righteousness, and show mercy to everyone rather than harshness. Don't hide hypocrisy or duplicity in your hearts, but work for peace and be willing to joyfully suffer persecution and insult for doing what is right. Dare to be a nonconformist, but by being boldly different, like salt and light to this world. Demonstrate your differences through works of generosity and works of beauty. Go to God with all your needs and do not be discouraged if you face long delays. Because remember that God loves you as a faithful and caring father and he will always come through in due time. Do to others as you would have them do to you and realize that aliveness includes tough choices and that thriving sometimes includes suffering. Don't be misled by religious talk. What counts is actually living by the teachings of Jesus. So I wanted to read that to you today as our challenge so that we can take those first steps as we walk out their doors today and we go in different directions as I'm about to have some good curry and you guys, because um, I won the Super Bowl. And, uh, and if I made enough, I would invite you all over. But, you know, that's just, that's going to have to be another time. But what I want us to do is to um, think of these reflections and think of our paths and make the effort to take the steps and to start walking. So I love you guys. And I thank you so much for being with us. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. We want you to come back and then come back for Easter. Um, if you're part of our kids program or if you're interested in knowing more about our kids program, make sure you join them for the potluck and meeting downstairs right after the service. And we will see you all next week.